before I, I kind of we kind of get into that, I was I was going to uh, share you a story I heard about a, a pastor uh, who died, and um, a pastor who and I know it's like what, All right? Uh, but there was a there was this minister, there was this pastor who died, and he went to heaven, and. Um, I can't say that I can verify the information in the story, but this is the story that was told to me, right? So th this pastor, he was, a, he was a minister, he died, he went to heaven, he was waiting in line at the pearly gates. Now look, I, you know, I don't know, is there going to be a line that we wait in at the pearly gates? I don't really know. The Bible doesn't really tell us that, but that's just part of the story, okay? So just kind of bear with me, all right? I'm not trying to give bad theology here, all right? Ahead of him was a guy who was dressed in sunglasses, a, a loud... Um, you know, this, you know, crazy looking shirt, a leather jacket and holy jeans and just kind of a scruff looking guy standing, you know, just before him. So they get up to, to the front and St. Peter's there. Not, not that, again, not that St. Peter is the one greeting us there at the gate, right? All right. St. Peter adjusts the man wearing somewhat of sloppy clothes. He said, who are you so that I will know whether to admit you into the kingdom of heaven? The guy replied, I'm Jack Thomas Jr., taxi driver from New York. <clears throat> All right. So St. Peter consulted his list, and uh, he smiles, and he says to the taxi driver, uh, take this silken robe and golden staff and enter into the kingdom of heaven. Again, not that I believe that we're going to get golden staffs and silken robes, because I don't think there's anything in the Bible that says that either. But somehow this taxi driver, this was his reward that he received for his life on earth. All right. The taxi driver goes into heaven with his robe and staff. And then it's the pastor's turn. And he stands up real tall and straight. And he booms out with a loud voice. I am Joseph Snow, pastor of St. Mary's Church for the last 43 years. And St. Peter consults his list and he says to the minister, Take this cotton robe and this wooden staff and enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd just be happy about getting into heaven. But the minister says, wait, 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 wait. The man before me was a taxi driver, and he gets a silken robe and a golden staff. I get a cotton robe and a wooden staff. Being a pastor, how can this be? And St. Peter looks at the pastor and he says, well, listen, here, here's the way it works. Up here, we work by results. While you preached, people slept, and while he drove, people prayed. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so anyways, um, by results. So there you go. Don't y'all be sleeping on me now. Um, <laughs> so we've been talking about breakthrough over the past couple of weeks. Um, in, in week one, we were, we, we were really kind of focusing in on the idea of positioning ourselves in the right place. And the way that we position ourselves is by the things that we think about. So if there's anything in your life that, that you're going through or anything that you're dealing with that you think, you think differently about that than God thinks about it, you'll never receive breakthrough in that area of your life. 
So if you think that you're never going to get better, you're never going to do better, if you're never, um, you're, you're, you're no good for anything, you don't have any talent, you don't have any gifts, you don't have any abilities, or you, you think that you're never going to get healthy, or that, that you're never, um, you know, your kids are never going to get right, or I don't know, there's all kinds of different ways, and as long as your thinking doesn't line up with what God is thinking, then you, you can't position yourself to be in the right place for God to do something. So when, when your thinking doesn't line up with God's thinking, it, it makes it extremely hard for you to see, receive breakthrough in your life. And one of the things that we addressed is this idea that the things that, the things that you need in life, God will bring to you, but the things that you want, you've got to go get. Okay? So my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. So the things that you need in your life, God will bring to you, but the things that you want, you've got to go get. And this is the same thing as it relates to the, the, there's a process that we have to play in this breakthrough in our life. If we want breakthrough, if we want 2019, it can't just be like, well, praise the Lord, the pastor has declared that 2019 is going to be your, your breakthrough, I receive. And then we just kind of sit back, you know, and meditate and like wait, just wait on God to bring breakthrough in our life. There is a there is a process that we have to play in the breakthrough uh, movement. So our ability to receive breakthrough in our life is greatly determined by our willing to, uh, willingness to walk in obedience, to do the part that, and play the role that we need to play. Uh, part of that is in the way we think. Last week we talked about, um, you know, being persistent in prayer. Um, being persistent in prayer, how, um, you know, the Bible talks about how persistent, fervent prayer. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And so it's, it's fervent prayer. It's something, that it's, it's something that we, it's not just something we pray one time or a couple times, but we stay persistent in prayer. And then we don't give up and we just pray and pray and pray and pray. We don't get through praying, we pray through. All right, so you, you are persistent in your prayer life and how persistence in your prayer life will bring about a great breakthrough. Today I want to take a look at a story in Mark chapter 2. You can turn there with me if you'd like. We're going to take a look at a story in Mark chapter 2, the Gospel of Mark, that gives us an example of how faith gives us the formula for breakthrough in our lives. So while there's, it's, it's not a, you know, a, a five-step process or you know, a 12-step program or any of those kinds of things as it relates to, you know, the way God works in our life. Because for all of us, while we can look at the story, all of, all of us, you know, our circumstances will look differently, but the principles will remain the same. So when we're looking at the story, we can see things that, that, that these people decide to do, and we can gather some information that if we, if we want breakthrough in our life, then, then here's a formula, here's a, some steps that we can take, but it's not specific steps according to your circumstances, but maybe a specific mindsets that we have to have regarding our circumstances that will cause us to make the appropriate steps along the way. All right? So Mark chapter 2. Let's see here. All right. Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says... And when he had returned to Capernaum, after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no room, no more room, 
not even at the door, and he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and when they had made an opening, they let, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. How can you, how can, can, um, who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in a spirit that they were questioning within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise up, um, your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise up, uh, uh, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose up immediately, picked up his bed, and he went out before them all. So they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. All right. So the story here is um, Jesus was in Capernaum. He has now returned home. And he's at home, and at home people are, are flocking to find Jesus so they can listen to his teaching and, and hear from him. And he's got all these people inside his home, and, and, and then we hear the story of what's going on. So today, I'm, I want to give you five things that we can gain, five things that we can pull from this particular story, I think, that will help us understand faith's formula, okay? Faith's formula. So the first thing is this, okay? You've got to make room for Jesus, okay? So if you want breakthrough in your life, you've got to make room for Jesus, okay? So the scripture here, in verse 2, it says, it happened when Jesus was in the house. It happened when Jesus was in, in the house, when Jesus was at home. Jesus was in the house. Jesus had come home, okay? And, and this is where the story happens. So if we want breakthrough in our life, if we want breakthrough to happen, in whatever area it is in our life that we need God to bring breakthrough, what, whatever it is that we've been praying for, whatever it is that we have been believing God for, you've got to make room for Him in the house. You've got to make room for Him. You want breakthrough in your life, you want breakthrough in your life, but you don't want to make room for Jesus? You don't want to take time for Jesus? You don't want to take time spending in His presence? You want to take time spending that time in prayer? Okay, whatever it is, if you want breakthrough, you've got to start making some room for Jesus. Jesus has got to have some of your time, all right? Time, it's got to, it, it, it's it, all right? That, that we've got to give Him some of our time, all right? Um, it's, it's, it's very important, you know, the script, one of the scriptures says, um, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, all right? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, and obviously this is a verse that more oftenly is uh, interpreted talking about our money, because it, it is true that our heart follows our money, right? And that's an, another message for another day. But treasure means more than, more than just money, treasure also means our time, okay? Our time is important to us. Each and every one of us only get a certain amount of time in every day. We all get 24 hours. Time is no respecter of person. It's no respecter of gender. It's no respecter of, of, of uh, prestige or 
your level of income or any of those kinds of things. It, it has, we all get the same amount of time in a day. And if you want to receive breakthrough in your life, you're going to have to find some time. You're going to have to make some room for Jesus. Whether uh, that's a day-to-day time with Him or whether it's weekly time with Him at church, right? you've got to make time with Him. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. The Bible says that here Jesus is saying, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And then it goes, it says, he who will open that door and let me in, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. So this is a scripture saying that God is constantly at our heart's door, knocking, wanting to spend time, wanting to be with us, wanting to be around us. And we have to be the ones to open the door. We have to be the ones to set aside specific time to make sure that we give him that time. And, And so... And that's important. And, and one of the things that we see here is a difference between God's omnipresence and God's manifest presence, right? So God's omnipresence is that he is everywhere all the time in all places. That's God's omnipresence. He's everywhere all the time in all places. So if God is everywhere all the time in all places, why do we ask his presence to show up? God, why do we say, God, we invite you here? Why, does, um, why is it like in the Old Testament, it would say that the presence of the Lord came upon the temple, right? Or, um, uh, you know, there were all kinds of conversations because there are different stages and elements of God's presence. So we know that God's presence is everywhere, right, all the time. But there are stages. There are uh, the Shekinah glory is God's visible pre- presence that shows up. That where you can see it, where uh, you can see it with your physical eyes, a, a, a manifestation of his presence uh, comes into a place. Um, there are different levels of God's presence, but um, what we want is we want God's manifest presence in our life, all right? And, and in order to have God's manifest presence in our life, we've got to make room for Jesus, So God's omnipresence was all over Jerusalem, but his manifest presence was in that house. You see what I'm saying? God was everywhere all the time. Just because Jesus was in the flesh doesn't mean that God still wasn't omnipresent. He was one of his, you know, omnipotent, omnipresence, and omniscience. It's all those three things about God's character and nature. God was everywhere, but his manifest presence was in that house. And if you want breakthrough in your life, you've got to get his manifest presence in your house. And I'm not saying necessarily like your home, like where you live. I'm talking about in your house. And the, the Bible says your body uh, is the temple of the living God. All right? So our body is a temple. It is a house. It is a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit, for God's presence. All right? So you've got to make room. If you want breakthrough in your life, you've got to make room for him in a house. All right? If you want his manifest presence in your life, in order to have that, you've got to make room for him. You've got to make time for him. You've got to make sure that it, you, know, you give him that time. You find room. You find time to give him that time to make sure that he is important. All right? Jesus was in the house. Breakthrough happened because Jesus was in the house. Breakthrough will happen in your life because Jesus is in the house. The second thing is, is that you have to overcome your paralysis, okay? This is what we see right here with this, this man who was crippled. You have to overcome 
your spiritual paralysis. You have to overcome. All right, so what is your paralysis? Your paralysis is anything that you think that you can't do or you can't have because of whatever reason it exists. Whatever reason it exists. Whatever reason it exists out there that causes you to think that you can't have this or you can't do this, okay, you've got to be able to overcome your paralysis. To him, it would be like, I'm not going to be able to walk. I can't walk. Look at me. I can't walk. Okay, the crippled man, this, this crippled man did not have a defeated mentality. Okay, he didn't think from the perspective of defeat. And this goes back to what we were talking about in the very first week, about aligning our thoughts up with what, the way God thinks. This paralysis, this man who was crippled, he didn't think, nah, guys, y'all don't worry about it, man. I, I'm not ever going to be able to walk. I'm not ever going to be able to get this right. I'm not ever going to stand up. I'm crippled, man. What can Jesus do? So what he's done it for other people doesn't mean he's going to do it for me. All right? And so what you have to do is you've got to overcome okay, your, your paralysis. And you've you got to make sure that you're not thinking from the perspective of defeat. All right, now how do we know that? In Isaiah chapter 35, verse 4, it says, Say to those who have anxious hearts, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance and with recompense of God. He will come to save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then, the, then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Okay, right? So, the word of the Lord in that particular time in Isaiah 35 was in that day, the, the eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears will be, will be unstopped. Then the lame man will leap like a deer for waters break forth in the wilderness. What? Waters break forth. That is the, listen, there is that breakthrough. And this guy who's paral who was paralyzed at some level in his life, had to think, you know what, if I can just get somebody to get me to Jesus. If I could just get somebody to get me to Jesus. I can be the lame man that leaps like a deer. Right? And his thinking, his thinking was like God's thinking. His thinking was like God's thinking. His thinking lined up with what God's word was saying. And perhaps some of us here are paralyzed by a condemning past. Maybe we're paralyzed by chronic fears. Maybe we're paralyzed by habitual sins, whatever it is. And these things have paralyzed us and kept us from becoming the, the man of God or the woman God of God that, God that he desires for us to be. And because we've allowed our thinking to affect our living, that, that we, we don't believe the way God believes about our circumstances anymore. So we have to pick yourself up. We have to pick ourselves up and make our way to the Lord of the breakthrough. Right? We got to get up. We got to we got to overcome our paralysis and make our way to God to think the way He thinks, so that we can see God bring breakthrough in our life. The third thing that we're we're, we're looking at here today is that He had He had to be in the right company, did He not? All right. Let's just say that His friends were like Job's friends. Job's friends would have never picked up Job and taken him to Jesus, right? But he was fortunate enough to have friends that were willing to do the right thing, but he had to be in the right company, be in the right company. 
Uh, his friends weren't skeptics. They had faith. And the reason why they had faith is because we see that they were willing to pick up this dude. All right, look, it took four of them, by the way. It took four friends to pick him up. Now, maybe I guess they had to have one on each corner of some kind of tarp or mat that they were, you know, stretcher or something that they were carrying. I'm not really sure how they were going about doing it. But maybe if he was a lighter guy, they could have, you know, taken and grabbed it like this right here. And it just would have taken two. But they needed four. Okay? And these guys had enough faith to say, you know what? Let's get our friend. Let's pick him up. Let's take him to Jesus. You ever heard this statement? This has, you know, been, been pretty popular for years. It says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. I remember when I was a youth pastor, um, you know, there's, um, there's, there's three big pillars in the life of every believer, um, but especially in the life of teenagers. Three, it's what we'd call is a three-legged stool. And on any three-legged stool, if you take one of the legs out, it falls over. You could take a leg off of a four-legged stool, and it might be all right for a little bit as long as you don't lean the wrong way. You take a leg off a three-legged stool, and, and it could fall over easily. And uh, those three legs were, were prayer, um, Bible reading, and friends. All right? And friends, man, for teenagers, friends was a big one, a really big one. And we talked about it all the time. It said, you know, um, Ginny Mayo used to say it like this, show, show me your friends and I'll show you what you're going to be like 10 years from now. All right? Show me the people that you spend all your time with, that you hang out with, that you do all your stuff with, um, and I'm going to show you what you're going to be like in, in your future. Because we, we can't really help it, um, the fact that the people that we hang around with the most will affect the way that we live and they'll affect the way that we think about things. And, 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 it, and, it, and it will rub off on us whether we, whether we like it or not, right? And so we have to make sure that we are mindful of the kind of people. Um, and so it, it's hard to position yourself correctly for a breakthrough in your life if you're hanging around people who are influencing you in a negative way. And that negativity is maybe not always about that they're, you know, tempting you to drink and do drugs and do honest, I don't know, I don't know what it is, they, all right, maybe it's not that kind of thing, but maybe it's just uh, negative thinking, maybe it's influencing just the way that you think about things, um, and, and that kind of thing, you, you, you know, you're gonna, the people that you hang around with are gonna have an influence on you, even the scripture tells us this, it says, um, one, in, in New Testament scripture, it says that we're not supposed to be in equally yoked. Most of the time, we, we talk about that as it relates to dating, the, you, know, we, you know, this person, right? But this is also just about in any relationship, that we're, we're not joining our, our, ourselves together. Right? Scripture also says in Proverbs that, that, that um, uh, he who wants to be wise uh, will hang out with wise people, but a companion of fools suffers harm, all right? He who desires to be wise will hang out with wise people, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Um, if you want to learn how to grow wealth, okay, hang out with people who know how to grow wealth. They'll teach you. If you want to, if you want to learn how, a, a certain trade, hang out with people that have mastered that trade, and they'll teach you. They'll rub off on you. 
Um, if you want to be excellent at your job, hang around people who are excellent at their job, and they'll rub off on you, all right? Um, it, it's just the, the way it is. And if you hang out with people who slack off at work, if you hang out with people who are negative, people that have bad attitudes, listen, it, you cannot help it. It won't affect you. It will eventually affect you. And, and it's not that you can't have people around you. We know that, you know, the Bible says that Jesus was a friend of sinners, right? So a lot of times we're like, well, Jesus was a friend of sinners, you know. But you need to understand that, there, that yes, Jesus was a friend of sinners, but there was a, there was a purpose behind those relationships, right? If you, you know, it's like a, um, it's like a tart, it's like a, a you know, like a, uh, like a dartboard that you throw on. It's got like the little circle and then the bigger circle and then the, you know, you following what I'm saying here? Okay. The closer you get to the middle, the more it should be like Jesus, right? Okay. The closer you get to the middle, the more it should be like Jesus. And Jesus was the example of this as well, right? Because Jesus is in the middle. So he was as much like Jesus as possible. Then you had Peter, James, and John, who were three disciples that went places that the other nine didn't go. There were three times that, Je that we know of, three times that Jesus took Peter, James, and John places that he didn't take the other nine. So he had the three, then he had the nine, okay? Then he had the 72 that he sent out two by two, and then he had the multitudes, and within the multitude were the people that he, he went and had dinner with Zacchaeus, a sinner, and you know, he called you know, Matthew and these guys to come and be disciples, and he trained them. Right? So he, he reached out outside of that group to pull people in, but it wasn't an excuse to hang around with the wrong people. So the closer you get to the middle, the more it should look like Jesus. But this guy received breakthrough in his life because he had the right kind of friends. If he had friends in his life that, that didn't believe God, that didn't have faith, that didn't trust God, or any of those kinds of things, then it's more than likely these guys would not have been willing to carry him to Jesus. And let's be real honest, okay? They did more than just carry him to Jesus. Okay? They had to uh, carry him a long ways and then realize that they can't get in, so now we've got to climb up on a roof. And somehow we've got to get this dude up on a roof. Like, how do you get a guy who can't walk up on a roof? Somebody want to help me out with that? How you, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it wasn't like they had the modern technology that we have today. What are they going to do? Strap a rope around his arms, you know, just kind of like hoist him up a little bit. Like, hey, man, just hang on. You know, and then, they, and then they get up on a roof and they got to dig a hole out of the roof. I mean, I'm just saying, look, I'm just saying that if I got a bunch of people at my house and you can't get in, please don't dig a hole in my roof. Okay? It, yeah, look, just call me on the phone. I'll come outside. <laughs> I don't want to have to repair the roof. They dig in a hole in somebody's house, roof that's not even their house. So these guys had faith. They, they were people that, um, that trusted God and believed God and had faith in God. They had faith in God. And, the, and, and look, you say whatever you want. But one of the reasons why this guy received breakthrough is because his friends were willing to help him out. And, and same way in our life. If we have the wrong kind of friends and we're hanging out with the wrong kind of people, how are we going to receive breakthrough uh, when we're constantly be inf being influenced in the wrong thinking, the wrong believing, the wrong living, right? Uh, which just kind of gets me to my, my number four, and that's refuse to be denied. 
refused to be denied. Like these guys refused to be denied, right? I mean, they just, they, they were persistent, right? Now we're getting into our persistence idea again from last week. These guys refused to be denied. That they walked here, they brought him all this way to Jesus. There was no way to get him inside the house. So then they had the bright idea. Let's carry him to the instead of just waiting, right? Can we maybe just wait around until they all you know people leave, then we can go in, right? Let's wait our turn. No, they said, let's carry him up to the roof, let's dig a hole in the roof, and then let's lower him down right in front of Jesus. All right. We're gonna talk about like cutting in line. These guys are cutting in line. Right? I'm sure there are people standing at the door like that, Gummit. I wish I would have thought of that. Or, you know, hey, hey, these guys can't do that. They got here after me. <clears throat> Whatever. We don't know. I mean, but they were persistent. They refused to be denied. And if you want to have breakthrough in your life, listen, it's not going to come just because you sit down one day and you're like, Lord, I would really like it if you did something for me and brought breakthrough in my life. No, there's, there's, there, there is persistence that has to take place there. The power of persistent prayer, the power of persistence, even in my own life, and we talked about this last week, that if my kids come and ask me something for one time, I'm just like, yeah, I don't really know. You know, and I, I probably won't, I don't know, like it depends on what kind of mood I'm in maybe, I don't know. Okay? But if they come and they keep asking day after day after day for something over and over again, you know what that tells me? That tells me that if I go get it for them, that they really, really want it. And it's not something they're going to take for granted. They're not going to be like, oh, yeah, well, thanks. I mean, I just kind of halfway wanted it. Right? But that persistence in coming back over and over and over again to their father, asking over and over and over again, even though they feel like maybe they're getting brushed off, shows how bad they really want it, that they're persistent. Right? And maybe they're saying, like, hey, Dad, I'll even pay half of it. All, right? All this kind of thing. Like, I'll meet you halfway. Whatever it is. They were persistent. These guys were persistent. They didn't expect, they were like, well, gee, one day Jesus will come by and he'll heal me. And I guess I'll just lay around here and wait for Jesus to come do this for me. No, they said, you know what? We're going to meet him halfway. We may even have to meet him three-fourths of the way. We may even meet him 90% of the way. But we're going to get there. They were persistent. And they said, they were refused to be denied. You know, um, it, it's the... Um, Let's talk about convenience for a second, right? Con what's convenient? Uh, it's, the American way, uh, it's the American way now to avoid things in our life that don't make life more convenient, right? I mean, everything that we have, all the advancement of technology and so on in, in, in today's world, in our culture today, um, are being done so to continue to make life more and more convenient. So, uh -huh. goodness, um, what are, I mean, just think about the technology that exists, um, just the remote control for a TV, right? Now, um, anybody remember back in the day when you want to change the channel, you had to like, get up off your butt and go change the channel, right? And then maybe even take the antenna and move it around a little bit, put some tinfoil on the end, you know, this kind of thing. And, and sometimes you even had to watch TV while holding the antenna. Like, if I want to see this game, I've got it right here. Now stop moving it. Right, right? And you had the little click dial thing, that click, 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 click. And, and that's how you change the channel. So now we, have, now we have TVs that connect to the internet. And we have remotes 
and I can take a video I'm watching on my phone and just flick it to my TV so that everybody can see it and I can control everything that's happening on the TV on my phone without ever getting off my butt. Just like, give me more popcorn and stuff, food, drink. Just, I don't ever want to leave this place. <clears throat> it's, everything's just about being more convenient. Every car that we have, everything that we do, it's all about how can it be more convenient for us? I mean, now we got food, we could throw in a microwave, we can have instant dinners, and we don't have to spend an hour and a half of preparing stuff, you know, and cooking, and, and it's just everything is just so convenient for us. And look, I like that. Okay? I'm not saying I don't like it. I do. Okay? The problem is, is this, is that now that our life is everything all the new stuff in our life that we continue to add our life is to continue to uh, make our life more and more convenient. Sometimes we approach our walk with God like it just needs to be convenient, like God needs to be convenient for us, right? But listen, listen, it wasn't convenient for these four friends to take an entire day off of work probably or family or recreation or whatever it is that they would probably normally do on that day to pick up their friend to carry them for who knows how far they had to carry them down the road, to pick them up onto a roof, to cut a hole in a roof. Okay, Let, There's nothing convenient about the story. Nothing convenient about your story. And what if, what, if, what if the breakthrough in your life that you're looking for will only come to you when you're willing to do inconvenient things to get it? Because we don't willingly do inconvenient things. Right? We don't willingly do inconvenient things a lot. Um, fasting is inconvenient. Can I get an amen? It's inconvenient. It really is. Um, but it is a way of saying, God, I don't want this for my flesh right now because I want this that's a part of your kingdom. Praying is not convenient. There's a thousand things I could think about uh, doing in my day and spending my time. It's not convenient. I got other things I'd rather do. It's not convenient. Reading the Bible for the hundredth time is not convenient. There are all kinds of things, spiritual disciplines in our life that just aren't convenient. All right? but, but it's likely that breakthrough will not happen in your life without a little bit of inconvenience. The Israelites received the promised land, but it wasn't, didn't come easy, and there was some inconvenience. Right? They had to go up against Jericho. They didn't know what was going to happen at Jericho, but that was inconvenient. They had to walk around that dang thing for seven days. Right? And then seven times on the last day, and then they had to yell. Right? Now, they say yelling's not as bad as going and fighting, but it still was something they had to do. It was a little inconvenient. They didn't walk in and be like pitching up to them, like, hey, we're in the promised land, it's ours. No, they had to go fight for what they wanted. They had to go fight for what they wanted. Right? And it wasn't just one battle. It was a bunch of battles. Right? But that's how they received a promised land. That's how they received a breakthrough in their life. And it's the same way with us. Right? There are all myriad of stories in the Bible where people received breakthrough in prayer to Jesus, right? Because talking to God is prayer, and these people are talking to Jesus, so they're talking to God, so they're praying, right? So there are people in the Bible that received breakthrough, and the vast majority of them did so because they did inconvenient things to get them to the place where they were, where they could receive from God. So these friends 
These five men would rather be inconvenienced and receive a miracle than to be complacent and lose the blessing. And the fifth thing, and Rob, if y'all come. All right. The fifth thing is that you have to remove the lid of human limitation. Remove the lid of human limitation. Um, So, clay represents our humanity. All right. The, the fact that we were formed from the dust, that God, that he is the potter and we are the clay. There's that analogy used in Old Testament scripture, all right? The clay represents our humanity. The roof represents your limitation, all right? So we may be limited by our backgrounds. We may be limited by human weakness. There may be many different things in our lives that may be limiting us. And, and you can look at Old Testament stories about this. Gideon is a perfect example of somebody who was in the weakest clan. Uh, he was in the weakest family, in the weakest clan, and he was a small dude already. And, and God shows up on the scene and says, greetings, mighty warrior. All right? Uh, Gideon had human limitations, um, and he had human weakness. He had all kinds of things that were stacked against us. Against Moses is another person uh, um, he had, um, he had a stuttering problem. He couldn't, couldn't talk without just, stu- to, you, know, you know. So, yeah, God was wanting to send him to Egypt to stand before Pharaoh um, to, to make, the, make them, you know, to res- get them out of it. And there were just, this is, this is the equivalent of God saying, I want you to be a preacher, and you don't even know how to talk. Right? There was, there was human limitation that he had in his life. Human limitation that he had in his life. Um, and, 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 and human weakness. But we have to remove, remove the, the lid of human limitations. You see, God uses the nameless. God uses the nameless, the faceless, and the useless. You want to know why he does that? So he gets all the glory. That's all. So he gets the glory. Right? God, God wants to... to use you and bring breakthrough in your life not because of you're just such a skilled crafty warrior not because you're just this incredible man of God that just this pillar of whatever no he, he wants to use you and he uses a nameless faceless he uses these people so that he can receive the glory you see breakthrough isn't withheld from you or from your life because you're of your of your impotence. Breakthrough isn't withheld from your life because of your inabilities, um, your lack of strengths, your lack of talents. Breakthrough isn't withheld from you because of stuff that you can do, all right? But breakthrough is ushered into your life because of God's omnipotence, okay? It's because of His omnipotence that God can bring breakthrough in your life. And it's the same thing here. Okay, there were steps that these guys had to take. There were things that they had to do. All right, they had to make room for Jesus. They listen. They had to make room for Jesus. Make make sure that there was room for Jesus. That there was room for Jesus in the house. Um, the, the guy had to overcome his paralysis, whatever it was that was holding him back, whatever it was that was telling him that he couldn't. He had to overcome that mindset. Okay? He had to overcome that mindset in his life. 
He had to make sure he was hanging around the right people so that he had some friends there in the moment of his life where he needed them the most that his friends would be there to pick him up and to help carry him to his breakthrough. He needed the right kind of people in his life. He needed to be persistent. He needed to be persistent so that he wasn't going to allow circumstances in his life to, to make him think that he wasn't going to be able to receive from God. He needed to be persistent. And that led him to the place where God's omnipotence stepped in and brought breakthrough into his life. And just like the Word of God said, listen, just like the Word of God said, that the lame will leap like the deer. This man received his healing, received his breakthrough, received his breakthrough, and he began leaping like a deer because of God's power. Because of God's power. So listen, we have to, we have to get up, we've got to look up, and we've got to rise up. I want to read a, I want to read a story to you real quick in, 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 in 2 Samuel. Um, this is about, about David. <clears throat> but it's significant. I ran across this this week just doing some studying and thought this was really, really important. In 2 Samuel chapter 5, it says, <clears throat> uh, no, yeah, 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 17. It says, when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, all the Philistines went up and searched for David. But David heard of it and went down to the stronghold. Now the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. And David inquired of the Lord, shall I go against the Philistines? Will you give them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, go up, for I will certainly give the Philistines into your hand. And David came to Baal Perazim. And David defeated them there. And he said, the Lord has broken through my enemy before me like the breaking flood. Therefore, the name of this place is called Baal Perazim. And the Philistines left and their idols, it left their idols there and David and his men carried them away. All right. So here, here's, the, here's the story that I, I, want, I want to, I don't know, for me, I felt like this when I was preparing that this was a prophetic word for some of you here today. David is, um, he's just been anointed king. And there's just a lot of turmoil going on in his life. And now he has an enemy, right? We all have an enemy. We have an adversary. And his enemy was these, the Philistines. And the Philistines had come to um, this place called the Valley of Rephaim. The Valley of Rephaim. You know what the Valley of Rephaim, you know what it means? You know what the... Because here's the thing about Old Testament names and stuff. They all were, they, they named, like, you know, today when we, like, name children, we're like, we're going to call him Zeke. You know, my, my brother, my brother-in-law always said that if he had a boy, he was going to name him Zeke Rashid. Like, who are you, Jeremy? Like, what, why would you torture a child? And like, why would you, I don't know, right? So, but in Old Testament, when they gave names to things, those names meant something. They meant something. So the Philistines were there uh, in the Valley of Rephaim, and the, the name means the Valley of Giants, right? The Valley of Giants. 
And the Bible says that David said, David knew about his enemy that was coming against him that created a stronghold, that was creating a stronghold against him. And look, David needed a breakthrough. He needed a breakthrough in his enemies. He'd just become king. He's just establishing here. He's trusting that God will establish his kingdom in Israel and, and all these kinds of things. He, and so he prays to the Lord, and God says, yes, go and take them. And so sure enough, David, listen, David obeys the word of the Lord, and he goes down to the valley of giants, and he fights. Listen, because it wasn't that just God destroyed the enemy for him, okay, before he ever get there, he had to still walk in obedience to go and take his place, to take what was rightly his. Those things that you want, you gotta go get. David went down there and he fought and the Bible says that the Lord delivered him into his hands. And so what he does is he renames the place. No longer is this the valley of Raphael. This is Baal Perazim. That means a lot to you, doesn't it? Baal Perazim. You know what Baal Perazim means? You know what David was saying when he said this is Baal Perazim? Baal Perazim means the Lord of breaking through. The Lord of breaking through. So he took what was known to be the valley of giants and he prayed and said, God, will you give victory over this? And God said, yes, I'll give you victory. I'll place them into your hands. And David went down to that valley of giants and he fought against his enemy and he took captive his enemy and he said, this place is no longer the valley of giants, but it is the Lord of breaking through. It is the valley of the Lord of breaking through. And I believe that God will take your valley of giants that you are facing right now and that he has given you victory over everything that you are facing in your life. And he's saying, it's no longer Rephaim, but it is Baal Perizim that God is saying that he is the Lord of the breakthrough in your life in Jesus' name. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. And so you've got to stand and believe. Listen, you got to stand and believe. you got to make, make room for Jesus. Make room for Jesus. Overcome your paralysis. Find the right kind of people to be around. Refuse to be denied. Refuse to be denied. And watch the power of God bring breakthrough in your life. Come on, you stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Come on, let's just close our eyes. And today.